I'm Cahal Summers. And I'm Deirdre Lynn. You're Chagas Sustainability Advisors, and you're welcome to the Chagas Environment Edge podcast, bringing you the latest information, science, and opinion to improve farm sustainability. Siobhan Kavanagh, Chagas Communication Specialist with the Signpost Farm Programme, and Mick Houlihan, Agri Sustainability Manager with Borbia, join us to discuss our carbon footprint and how we can reduce on farm emissions. We are being asked to significantly reduce carbon emissions over the next few years. But to do this, farmers need to know their baseline emissions. Did you know many farmers have a Borbia report which can be used to track a farm's carbon footprint over time and measure its performance against other farms of a similar size and enterprise, allowing farmers to identify areas for improvement? I started off by asking Siobhan to tell us about the Signpost Farms programme and what it hopes to achieve. So the, the Signpost programme is a collaboration led by Chagask of farmers, industry and state bodies all working together to reduce emissions on Irish farms. And the focus of the, the programme is on reducing greenhouse gas emissions, but also on improving water quality and enhancing biodiversity on, on, on Irish farms. Um, we're taking very much a holistic approach to this. So there's a lot of talk, talk about environmental sustainability, but this program will deal with economic, social and environmental all in one. So it's not a case that we want to sort out the environmental issues without also being cognizant of from an economics and a social point of view. So the, the current target for the program is to reduce emissions on the signpost farms. And I'll talk about, a little bit about those in a minute. Signpost farms by 15% by 2025, and then on all farms by 2030. Now these targets will have to be adjusted and they will be in the next short while in light of the 22 to 30% target reduction set out in the Climate Action Plan. So for the program, there's two main elements to it. Three, I suppose you could say there's we have um, a number of signpost farms dotted right across the country in all the enterprises. So we've about 110 of those at the moment. So all the main enterprises, dairy, beef, sheep, tillage, and then we have organics. We have some pig farmers as well. And the idea is that those farmers will dem- demonstrate the key technologies that we have for reducing emissions. So at the moment, we're very much reliant on the technologies that are in the MAC curve, but there is science coming that will provide us with more technologies. The signpost farmers will demonstrate best practice and these various different type technologies, whether it be protected urea or ELESS or reducing their days at slaughter. So that's the first part of it. The second part then is the advisory program around that. So it's how we engage with farmers, all farmers, because every farmer has a role in terms of reducing emissions, how they how we engage with farmers to, to help them to adopt these technologies. So the, the inspiration, I suppose, will come from the signpost farmers, but then there'll be a whole program around advisory in terms of helping farmers to deliver that change at farm level. And that's a challenge in itself. And then the third component is the research component. So there's there's a big research part of the signpost looking at specifically at carbon sequestration, I suppose. So on those farms, we will be ta- we have flux towers set up to, to capture information on carbon sequestration. Um, there'll be soil samples taken on all those farms to monitor how we how we um, how we store carbon in soils and how under different management practices on farm we're doing that. And that will be really important at the moment. Um, land use is separated out from our own targets in agriculture, but back by, by the time we hit 2030, they probably will be back included. And to have solid information on how we sequester carbon will be really important over the next number of years as we go towards a 50% reduction in 2030 for the whole country and a, and a net zero by 2050. Um, so that's that's a very quick synopsis, um, Kahala, of what the program is about. 
Yes, it's massive targets, I suppose, to achieve. And it's actually really, it's really interesting to see how this is going to go because you have over 100 farms looking to adopt best practice and adopt that change onto the farm, heavily supported by research and advisory. So it's great to see it. One thing, a question I suppose I could ask you is, how, how do those kind of farmers feel about being the guinea pigs? Are they excited, nervous, or what's the feeling with them? No, they're excited and they're um, they're very engaged with it. Like I suppose when we went out to select those farmers, we need to, needed to identify farmers that would be the early adopters. And very often these farmers that we have selected are already on the pathway to reducing their emissions. So they have started using protected urea. They're using the LESS. They're looking at improving their EBI. They're looking at ways to reduce nitrogen. So incorporating clover or experiment with, experiment, experimenting with multi-species sports. So we would have picked farmers that were enthused about, about, about getting involved and demonstrating to others. Um, they're, they're, they're concerned, uh, no more than all farmers are, because the targets are huge. Like, and we, we can't underestimate the huge challenge that we have ahead of us. But I have to say the signpost farmers, and I've met a good few groups of them at this stage, they are enthusiastic and, and, and willing to, to push the boat out in terms of adopting these technologies. And look, there's no better person than farmer to farmer looking in over the ditch to see how the neighbours getting on before they adopt a new practice. So I, I think it's very positive. But we, we, we speak a lot about carbon footprint and you mentioned that we're looking to reduce total emissions through the signpost farms. How important is it for farmers to look at their carbon footprint? Yeah, so no more than any anything that we're trying to measure or we're trying to reduce or improve. Um, you can't manage what you don't measure, okay? And that's we say that if we are tr- trying to improve, improve your EBI or your breeding performance or your lightweight gain over the winter or whatever, if you're not measuring uh, weights or you're not measuring your EBI and checking it, you're never going to improve these things. And it's, it's the same with reducing carbon emissions. So a farmer needs to understand where they're starting from. And that's why we joined up with, with Board B this autumn to create awareness amongst farmers of the information that, that do, they do have available to them on their farm and the emissions on the, on the farms. So Mick will talk a little bit about the carbon footprint in a few minutes, but like there's over 54,000 farmers have access to the carbon footprint figure for their farms. And that's, that's hugely significant. That's nearly half of our farmers have this information. As a consumer, do, do I know what the footprint for my, my household is? I don't know it, but farmers have this information. So we're starting off with a, um, a really good starting point by having that information. So the carbon footprint really refers to how much greenhouse gases are emitted from an activity. So that is the production of meat or milk in our place or in, in, our, in our industry, or it could be how much emissions from driving a car or taking a flight. And these emissions are like, we've three basic um, gases we're talking about. We're talking about carbon dioxide, um, methane and nitrous oxide. And they're all expressed as carbon dioxide, just to make it easy to, to add them all together and, and to, 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 I suppose, gauge them one against the other. Um, so the carbon footprint figure is a really good starting point for a farmer to see where they're at today and where they need to get to. It's not the full story. Um, and you mentioned total emissions there a minute ago. We're trying to reduce our total emissions um, at national level. So that's 22 to 30% target is total emissions. The carbon footprint is just the emissions per kilo of milk or per kilo of, of meat. So uh, it's a good starting point, but a farmer needs to also be conscious that they're trying to reduce their total emissions. So if you're reducing your footprint, but say your milk production was way up, increases significantly, or the, the quantity of meat they're produced, you're producing increases significantly, 
well, then the chances are you're not going to reduce your total emissions. So you need to look at the total emissions as well as looking at the footprint. But the footprint is a good starting point. Mick, um, how is the carbon footprint calculated? What sources of data are required by the farmer to get the baseline emissions for his or her farm? Uh, okay, thanks, uh, Deirdre. So the, the the carbon footprint is, is is calculated using the Chagas carbon footprint model. So essentially, uh, it's about ten years ago now when uh, we inco- uh, we brought the, the carbon footprint model uh, into our Borbia database, our Borbia quality assurance database, so that we could use the information that we were gathering in the farm audits that we were doing to feed into that calculator that Chagas had developed. So the, the the carbon footprint calculator or the carbon footprint model, as 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 we, we commonly refer to it, um, developed by Chagas, taking account of, of of the production systems that predominate in Ireland here, developed in line with um, international gui- guidelines and, and and a model that's that's accredited and recognised internationally. Um, it it draws on data that we collect in the farm audits, as I said, but it also draws on data that we have access to from other sources. So we get information coming from ICBF in relation to uh, things like weight gain, uh, calving interval and so on. And then also, very importantly, the, the information from the AIM system. And that's what really I suppose the, the the key driver in terms of helping us to kind of identify animal numbers on farms and look at animal numbers on on a monthly basis um, within the model. So it's it, it's a really it, it's a really complex I suppose cal- set of calculations that are happening within the model. Uh, there's a huge amount of data that that feeds into it, and there's a huge amount um, that has to kind of happen even to, to kind of prepare that data to be to to, to feed into the calculator uh, and get it right. But ultimately, um, the 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 three sources of data is 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 what's gathered on farm during the the quality assurance audits, the AIMS data and, and the ICBF data with the dairy farms we also have um, information that comes from the dairy processors so as Siobhan mentioned you know the carbon footprint is, is a measure of the emissions uh, versus the, the output of the farm so having that information coming from the dairy processors uh, in relation to the volume of milk uh, the fat and protein content of, of, of that milk as well is a really important input uh, in, in, into the model. So you've minimized the amount of input then that farmers actually have to contribute to the um, calculations? Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, we've we, we've tried to, to to just bring us right back to on farm activity. Um, so capturing information in relation to management practices around the grazing season, so turnout and housing uh, of animals, the different categories of animals on the farm, looking at how slurry is managed on the farm, storage periods, spreading application, timing of application, how it's applied on the farm, looking at fertilizer use on the farm, looking at uh, uh, concentrate feed used on the farm. They're kind of the main elements, I suppose, that you know we, we can't get anywhere else other than directly from the farmer. But we're lucky in, in Ireland, I suppose, that we have access to to you know very comprehensive and very accurate databases in relation to AIMS and ICBF uh, and obviously then the, the, the milk data on the dairy side of it. Mick, how often do the farmers have to contribute this information? Is it over, um, is seasonally or is it once a year? Or... 
So we, we, we do the audits on an 18-month cycle. So every time we conduct an audit, a carbon footprint is generated uh, generated for, for, for the farm. So that's something that, again, I suppose that we're looking at, at trying to trying to change a little bit as well. Um, you know, on an 18-month cycle, it means that, you know, you'll have one year entry where you don't have any carbon footprint for the farm. Uh, and that's something that we'd like to try and, and, and get over where we, we would have an annual figure available to the farm. So it's important. And then for, for farmers that are maybe participating in discussion groups or, uh, you know, or attending uh, events on farm that when they hear about the carbon footprint for the farm that they're on, that they can compare like with like, they compare their, the most up-to-date figure that they have for their farm with uh with, with the farm with the farm that they're on so we are we are hoping to open up the sustainability survey that's conducted as part of the board b audit that gathers that farm management information to farmers that so that they can complete that on an annual basis as we said the access to their databases means that you know we can just pull in that information and, and be able to generate the figures on, on an annual basis so once the farmer receives the report, um, how do they know what's the biggest contributor um, to the carbon footprint? And I suppose the benchmarking as well, then I suppose that would be useful, you know, within discussion groups and, and, and that kind of information. Um, so how do you know, um, how can the farmer read it that they're, you know, what's contributing to the to the footprint? When uh, when the farmer completes the board via audit and we generate the carbon footprint, we also generate a, a farm feedback report um, that gets sent out to the farmer. Uh, and within that report, then it's it's broken down into a number number of different sections, and it it indicates to them the current performance of the farm based on the the calculations coming up of the the the, the carbon footprint model, and also based on on other information provided in the sustainability survey. And it, it compares that current performance with their, their performance from a previous assessment. So they can see the direction they travel for their own farm. And if we look at, at the emissions specifically, they can see, well, have the emissions gone up or down? Is the carbon footprint increasing or decreasing? And then we also have a, a benchmark figure in there in terms of how their farm figure compares to farms of a similar size or a similar type. Uh, uh, to there, so a farmer can see whether they're above average or below average in in, in terms of how they perform with 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 their peer with their peer group. Also within that report, uh, again in terms of the emissions, there's there's an effort to try and kind of demystify things as it was to an extent and try to highlight uh, to farmers how emissions are generated on their farm or the main sources of emissions on their farm. So there's uh, anyone that's seen the reports uh, might be familiar with uh, a, a chart I suppose that we have in it that kind of breaks down the proportion of emissions that come from the different sources on the farm. So we're looking at, uh, at emissions associated with, with the animals themselves and animal digestion. We're looking at emissions associated with slurry uh, and, and manure management, fertilizer use and feed uh, and so on as well. So the farmer can start to get a sense of 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 where uh, maybe the opportunities exist uh, to make some changes. So they might identify that you know on average their emissions associated with fertilizer use on the farm are higher than their peer group. So potentially there's an opportunity for them there to do something to 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 come back more in line in in line with the peer group. So it gives them a good area for focus, really, Mick. Yeah. Brilliant. Right. 
make that that's my favorite part of the, of the whole thing i love the idea that you can look at how you're performed the last couple of years and how you're 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 i suppose sizing up to your people in the same size and enterprise because i don't know what you're like but i think it brings out the competitive nature in different people that you know you see someone around you doing something you, you'd like to get that little bit better than them but that's the way i'm set up anyway that's but, only you, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's it's a really good point, I suppose, and and, and like that, you know, the conversations that, that we're having with farmers an awful lot lately uh, are around just that. Well, well, well. How do I how do I change? How do I do better? How do I make improvements? Where's the scope for me to do something that gets me in line with with the average, or gets me better than where I am, even if they're already in, in a good position? And, and and again, within the report we're trying to give some some guidance and pointers there so we would have worked with Chagas in the development of this report as well and and it's it, we're not just presenting the details in relation to, to to the figures that are generated as a result of the carbon footprint uh, calculations and and the, the the sustainability assessment on farm so there's a a feedback and a guidance piece there that really brings in, I suppose, the, the, the advice from Chagas in terms of what farmers can do and what measures they can implement. So in line with everything that's happening in relation to the signpost farm, you know, the, the, the measures that have been talked about being implemented on the signpost farm are, are reflected in that feedback report as well. And Siobhan, I suppose we're looking at there now, this, this is information that's available to farmers at the moment. Uh, my first question, I'd be wondering how many actually look at the information at the minute, but if, if they do look at this new way of measuring their performance, do you think they should get some sort of credit for it, maybe? It could be a very, fairly loaded question, Carl. <laughs> um, I suppose the way I'd, I'd view that is, is why, why would farmers bother or why should farmers be motivated to look at reducing their footprint, apart from the competitive nature of uh, being best in class? Like a lot of the measures that we're asking farmers to take to reduce their emissions are a win-win for farmers. So they'll reduce emissions on their farm, but they'll also either improve the productivity of the farm, the efficiency, reduce costs or both. So ultimately, their bottom, bottom line should be better, better by reducing their carbon footprint. So that, that to me should be one of the motivators. It mightn't be an external credit for it, but it's a motivator for the farmers themselves. We all know as an industry that we're very, very dependent on our international markets to sell product and the ability of the processors to be able to demonstrate to buyers that we have a low carbon footprint is so important for us in terms of securing markets, gaining new markets and maximizing the returns for farmers. So the bottom line is the price for farmers. So more and more the buyers internationally are looking to Ireland and saying, can you demonstrate that you're reducing your carbon footprint? Because that's becoming more and more of a requirement for them and their, their consumers. So I think in terms of the efficiency on the farm, I think farmers are gain, but also I think in terms of our markets and the international and the payback to farmers in terms of, of price and, and, and having, having more markets out there. Like there will be technologies that are going to cost farmers that that like LESS, for example, or these feed additives like farmers are not going to just voluntarily put those feed additives in to reduce emissions unless it either improves performance, which I don't know whether they do or they don't. But there, there, there are a lot of technologies that the farmers will need to be incentivized to reduce that carbon footprint. And really, that's down to the to industry and to the, the government to decide where those incentives are going to be put in place to encourage farmers to adopt the technologies to reduce their carbon footprint. And obviously, then reducing our carbon footprint is going to feed into the national inventory and help us meet our national and international um, obligations. So the credit, I think, will come at farm level in terms of 
um, improved efficiency, reduced costs and, and um, profitability in terms of our markets. And I think there will be incentives will come. We just don't know what they're going to look like. But, but more and more, it's been talked about that they will be a requirement to reduce the footprint um, and meet our targets. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Sean. Like there, there's a lot of the stuff that you're talking about here, maybe it, whatever it is, uh, even reducing calf and intervals, uh, maybe minimum age, finishing off animals, all that stuff's going to be benefited farm and it's going to, it's going to come into the country as well. The one yeah. thing I'll say, I suppose, is if we have this information here, look, farmers are used to looking at grass measurement figures now, their milk solids, all that stuff, their growth rates. Can, I suppose the big thing now, I suppose, is try and get them to look at this information and identify actions off it. How, how will the advice be delivered, Siobhan, or is it up to the farmer? What, what way will they use this support tool? I view this as a new KPI for, for farmers. Like they're used to you looking at the physical and financial KPIs for the farmer, but this is the environment, one of the environmental KPIs for farmers to, to track themselves in terms of the progress they're making. And as Mika said, they get this every 18 months and hopefully more regularly going forward, and then they can benchmark themselves. So it, it, it's, it's an important tool when they're sitting down to do a plan for their farm for the next couple of years. What I would say in terms of using it is, is to pull out that carbon footprint figure. Now, they will get a report every 18 months. Um, some of them probably don't know where that report is, but it's worth contacting Board B or going onto the website um, and, and, and downloading that. But to get the maximum value with it, out of it, firstly, make sure that the figures that they have in that report are accurate um, and that it is reflective of their farm. Because if you don't put accurate information, say the information that went in in the sustainability uh, um, survey that Mick spoke about, if that information, as Mick said, if it's not accurate going in, but then your carbon footprint isn't going to be accurate. So make sure that the information is accurate first and foremost. And then I would encourage um, a farmer to sit down with his, his or her advisor and identify where the emissions are coming from or where you are relative to your peers, just like Mick said. So if your nitrogen use looks an awful lot higher than the national average, we have to ask yourself the question, why is it an awful lot higher? And it's, does that need to be a focus area? Um, on the animal digestion side, which is where most of our emissions are, are coming from, what are the things that I can do to reduce um, methane emissions there? So what's my age at slaughter? What's the, the calving interval? Am I producing a cow per calf per year? Um, am I maximising the amount of grass that I'm using? Identify three or four areas on the report to say, yeah, these are the things that I can I can go after in 2022. Rather than looking at a whole list of 10 or 15 things they can do, what's the three or four things they're going to focus on? And what they should really try to focus on is, is the, the, the low-hanging fruit. So the things that are going to give an impact pretty quickly in terms of reducing um, emissions. So say, for example, EBI. EBI is a slow burner. So if you want to improve your EBI by... Uh, 10 euro a year for the next 10 years that's that there's a bit of a slow burner on that it does have a big impact on emissions but it's it is a slow burner whereas starting to use protected urea will give you a win pretty quickly like Seamus Carling has done a couple of case studies on this and going to 100% protected urea um, will reduce emissions on a typical dairy farm by between seven and eight percent that's total emissions so that's very significant switching to LESS is a relatively um, low hanging fruit as well to move across to putting out line to sort out a soil fertility issue, particularly in light of where we're heading next year with, with fertilizer prices. So it's to identify three or four things that a farmer could do next year to reduce his, his or her emissions 
um, and put a plan in place with the advisor. So rather than looking at this report by yourself, sit down with somebody that can talk through the report with you and identify a couple of areas that you might focus on. And I would strongly recommend that you focus on those that low hanging fruit that will give an impact pretty quickly and that you'll see a response to it. Look, with such a huge focus on reducing our carbon emissions at the moment, I think we really need to focus on looking at our activities on the farm and, and look, like you said, implement those positive changes. Uh, Siobhan, Mick, thanks a million for the chat today and keep up the good work. And I, I think we'll have to bring you on for a chat again because we've only uh, touched on what we need to chat. But thanks a million for your chat today. Thank you. Thanks, Carl. Thanks, Deirdre. That's it for this episode of the Chagas Environment Edge podcast. Thanks to Siobhan Kavanagh, Chagas Communications Specialist with the Signpost Farm Programme, and Mick Houlihan, Agri-Sustainability Manager with Borbia, for joining us on the show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Carl Summers. And I'm Georgia Glenn. Join us next time for the Chagas Environment Edge podcast, Signpost to Farm Sustainability.